You're listening to Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Before we get to our next guest, and that'll be Jonathan Zazlow, who's the host of the Zazlow Show 2.0 podcast, I want to go in with this sound because Eric Spolster, the Heat head coach, spoke at Shoot Around a little while ago and he gave some final thoughts, last words, if you will, before tonight's Game 7. This has been probably as evenly played now a series. We've had uh, super competitive games that go all down the wire. Uh, each team has had a blowout. Um, each team has won three in a row. Come on, let's tip this thing off. I think that covers it, guys, unless, uh, unless we can start this thing in a half hour. I don't know if there's anything else uh, we need to discuss. Well, I'll be honest. I'd like if they started a half hour because then Aaron Goldhammer and I can react throughout the entire game. But we're going to go to the phone lines. We're going to go out to Boston. Jonathan Zaslow, the host of the Zaslow Show 2.0 podcast. Thanks for joining us today. When you heard Spo's words there, his final thoughts, what was your reaction to, I guess, his last message publicly? Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Nothing that comes out of the mouths of the coach or the players on this team is going to be surprising. They are an extremely confident group. It is a very business-like team. It's a very business-like franchise. They're going to talk about the opportunity, and they love having the opportunity to play a game seven and for an Eastern Conference championship. And this is a team that you know, if the Heat lose tonight, it's not going to be because they folded under any kind of pressure. It's not going to be like Philadelphia at Boston Game 7, where that is just not a team that is mentally ready for that kind of situation. If the Heat lose tonight, it's going to be because Boston's better, because they defended, because the Heat didn't make shots, or vice versa. It's not going to be because this team is going to wilt under any kind of pressure. This team is absolutely ready for this kind of moment. So I'm not going to be surprised with anything that any of the coaches or the players say from our side uh, going into the game tonight. I know what their mentality is. Zaz, as a fan, are you over game six? No, no, like, no. And I, look, I, I, the Heat fan for, we're talking 24 years now, the without question worst moment in Heat history, worst loss in Heat history was always Allen Houston, 1999, deciding game in round one where the Heat were the number one seed and the Knicks win with Allen Houston right at the buzzer. That has always been known as the worst moment in Heat history. I think now, obviously, it depends on what happens tonight. If the Heat win tonight, we're we're never going to care or talk about Derek White game six ever again. It'll be completely meaningless. But if the Heat lose tonight, I I think the finish to game six is the worst moment in Miami Heat history. So, no, I can't possibly be over it 48 hours later. I mean, hell, it it took Heat fans, you know, decades to get over the Allen Houston shot. We're several championships removed from that. And for me, I like I, I was at I was at my peak Miami Heat fandom watching that game Saturday night. Like, I was fully invested. I was on my feet the entire game. I'm yelling and screaming at the television. And, like, I haven't behaved that way in a really long time. So, no, like, I've been moping around the last 48 hours, like, as if my dog died. I'm not over it. We're talking to Jonathan Zaslow, the host of the Zaslow Show 2.0 podcast here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. So, all of that said, Zaz. How nervous are Heat fans tonight? How nervous are you as fully invested Heat fan tonight? You know, it's funny. Like I said on my show on Friday last week, a lot of times, you know, sports fans, they'll tune into our shows, you know, and they want their favorite host or whoever it is to make them feel better, you know, make them feel better about the game, about the game five loss. 
And I feel like I did that after game five. Like, I'm going to make you guys feel better today. We are definitely going to win game six. And on my show today, like, I do not have the same attitude. Like, any, like I hope everyone tunes in to Zazzle Show 2.0 today, but you're not going to get from me, like, this super confident portrayal going into tonight's game. I am not super confident. It's, it's game seven on the road. And by the way, the Heat don't care about that building. You know, before game five's loss at TD Garden, the Heat had won four consecutive playoff games, all Eastern Conference final games at Boston. The Heat don't care about that building. That's not an issue. But you're, you're playing a, a one-off game against a team that is better than you. I mean, by all accounts, Boston was number two in these. The Heat were number eight. And now Boston has won three in a row, and they are also better than you. So going into this game tonight, you know, game seven, anything can happen. But, like, I'm petrified. I am, I'm, I, I, the Heat fan doesn't want to hear me say that. I'm petrified because I know what the stakes are, and I don't want to live with the only team ever to blow a 3-0 lead. So, yeah, like, I'm totally petrified going into tonight's game. As my sense of this is that um, Jimmy Butler's place in Heat history is already cemented, but that Bam Adebayo, this is sort of, you know, teetering for him. What is at stake for him and the way Heat fans do or don't love him tonight in Game 7? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say it's a good question. I'll say first about Jimmy. There is literally nothing that could happen with Jimmy Butler tonight that is going to change my opinion on Jimmy Butler. And, uh, I mean, look, some Heat fans are obviously upset he did not play well in Game 6, although he came really strong in the fourth quarter. But there is nothing that Jimmy Butler can do or not do tonight that is going to shape my opinion in any type of negative fashion about Jimmy Butler. As far as Bam goes, look, Bam has always been the center of criticism for the Heat fan. Like, every good team has a guy who, when the team doesn't play well, the fan base is always going to point fingers at And that guy for the Heat the last few years has been Bam Adebayo. And it's so frustrating because he was not good in the East Finals last year against Boston, save for Game 7, which he was very good. And so this year, he had a great regular season. And if we get that guy in another Eastern Finals against Boston, he will win with that guy. Well, we saw that the first couple, really even three games this series. Bam was fantastic the first couple games this series. And he's been a no-show the last couple games. I think the Heat fan wants Bam to be a superstar when the reality is he's not a superstar. But the thing that he is, the things that he brings, is still really, really good. I think the Heat fan wants him to be something that he's not. He's not a guy who's going to get you 25 and 12 every game. He's a guy who once in a while is going to get you 25 and 12 while being incredible on the defensive end. I think if the Heat don't win tonight, what we all officially realize is Bam is not necessarily a number two. Like, Bam kind of needs to be your third guy, and they'll have to add a number two next to Jimmy Butler. I think that's kind of what's at stake for Bam tonight. We're talking to Jonathan Zazla, host of the Zazla Show 2.0 podcast here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. And we'll get you out of here with this because we've been talking about it all show long. What's the worst food take you've got? Because it is Memorial Day, uh, a holiday centered often around food. What's the, big, what's the worst food take you have? Okay, I, I, think, I, I think this is probably appropriate because it's Memorial Day. Barbecues, swimming, we're at the pool. I got to tell you something. A lot of people think watermelon in that spot. Uh, watermelon doesn't do anything for me. I don't get watermelon. I think watermelon's kind of gross. I don't like the black seeds. I don't want to be chewing watermelon and spitting out seeds. Watermelon to me is gross. Everyone else seems to love it. You know, I, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I prefer the watermelon roll from Friendlies, if you remember that as a kid. I think we're probably <laughs> the same age and vintage. Like, that to me was watermelon for so many years. 
I don't know. It's a, there's a bowl of watermelon outside by the pool. It's like, you guys can have that. That's not for me. Zaz, <laughs> I, I think you just have never had good watermelon. I can't believe Maybe, this Maybe, but I, I don't want to eat something and have to – I don't want to pick through it with my teeth and tongue so that I don't they, swallow they, hold the on, They make seedless watermelon. Like, just go to the next bin of stuff at Publix or whatever, and it's the seedless watermelon. You don't have to – the black seeds are not a necessary part of the experience. That bowl of watermelon is for you. It's not for me. Hey, listen, Zaz, I appreciate that, and I am with you on your bowl of watermelon. I hope you find only mangoes and grapefruits tonight while you're watching the Heat and the Celtics play Game 7. Go Heat! Go Heat! Come on, do it! (laughs) That is Jonathan Zaslow, host of the Zaslow Show Show 2.0 podcast. You know what's funny about Zaz, Michael? Like, there are some radio personalities in markets, and you listen to them, and you can tell... Like, they're just doing their job in the market, but they're not really a fan. Jonathan Zaslow is not over Game 6, and when I say he's not over Game 6, I'm not sure he's slept since the end of Game 6. I I mean, it sounded like he might not have slept since the end of Game 6, and I I worry, win or lose, what might happen tonight. That that, that man, I drank a lot of black caffeinated tea. That man might need a whole, like, gallon of caffeinated tea. Uh, man, I, I I don't know. And that that is a mediocre food take right there. We want to hear about your worst food take. Give us a call, 188-SAY-ESPN. That's one 888 But coming up next, we're going to talk about two words. Two words. Are they the best words in sports? Are they not the best words in sports? They're centered around tonight. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Memorial Day is one of the more interesting holidays when it comes to sports. We've got Game 7 tonight in the Eastern Conference. That's, of course, between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. But it is also a day of outdoor sports. You've got the NCAA lacrosse final. That's on ESPN right now. You also have the French Open starting some Big upsets already on the women's side there that you might care about. Alina Alina Svitolina. Beat Martina Trevisan, the 26-6262, and Sloane Stevens, the American, who you probably are familiar with. She upset 16 seed Karolina Pliskova in straight sets this morning. On the men's side, Novak Djokovic, straight set win. Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed, up two sets to none over in Paris. And Memorial Day, not the two best words in sports. We're going to get to the other best words in sports here in a few minutes. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio alongside Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michael Rothstein. We're in for the guys today. But before any of that, we're going to go to the phone lines. We've been talking about your worst food take. If you have a say on that, a thought on that, give us a call. one 888 And we're going out to Ben in Texas. Ben, what's your terrible food take? What's up, Ben? What's up, guys? Uh, pineapple, definitely, yes. I tried uh, sardines. I don't know how the heck they're so salty. But um, I put uh, uh, sour cream in my macaroni and cheese. Oh. Um, with the uh, the powdered cheese and stuff instead of the milk and the uh, butter. My roommate hates it. He says it's disgusting. But I think it's fantastic. It, you know, I'm actually kind of intrigued to try this. So you open up like the craft, like the box of mac and cheese, the like the one we all had when we were kids. But instead of milk, you put sour cream in? A spatula with the mix, and you do about uh, two-thirds full of the light sour cream, 
throw it in there, and then you throw the cheese packets in, mix it up, and it's just like the uh, shells and cheese. A little, uh, little more of a milky taste, but pretty good. Saves you on the salt. It saves you on the uh, the uh, lactose and stuff like that. So you can do lactose-free sour cream. I know you said you're lactose intolerant, so um, yeah. So that's what I do. A lot of people hate it, but I think it's great. I, ben, I, I'm. I appreciate I appreciate your uh, enthusiasm around that. I just ah man, that's a tough that's a tough sell bo- for me, dude. I don't do the box of mac and cheese, man. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna eat something that's fattening like that, I'm going to make it from scratch or get it from a restaurant where it's really high quality. And I, I don't, I tend not to go to the box there. Just my own. Now maybe my kids, but not for me. That's fair. Aaron, I get it. Thank you for the call. We really appreciate it, Ben. And, you know, listen, he, he talk, we're talking about food here, but my favorite two words in food are extra dessert. Or if you want to combine gluten-free into one more gluten-free pastry. But when you're talking about sports, the best two words are up for debate. Because there are some people who will say, Aaron Goldhammer, yeah. that it is tonight. It is game so, seven. So, so when I do not this, believe that. The best two words in sports are game seven. What, like, when did this become a thing? Because growing up to Marketing. Me, n- nobody said, yeah, but how did it originate? Like, I want an oral history of how... Because, look, I, we all love game seven. It's n- now all of a sudden basketball and hockey and baseball are like football where it all comes down to this. It's just one game to go. But I don't know really, in my eyes, aren't just to be sort of stereotypical here, uh, television ratings, Michael, say that Super Bowl are the two best words in sports, that that's what America thinks, because no game drives the ratings that the Super Bowl does, not any Game 7 in any sport at any time. I mean, if we're going to go that route, World Cup would be the two best words in sports, because internationally, nothing beats the World Cup. I mean, if, you, if we want to use that definition. True. Like, um, World Cup, you know, to me, the best two words in sports, other than, and our producer Shannon Penn's going to laugh at this callback, Eurovision final, is, <laughs> is uh, sudden death. That, to me, is the most one. exciting two words in sports good, because good, you know. Good call. You know it means a winner or loser, advancement, and there's usually something pretty big on right. the line. It's the way NFL overtime should be, in my opinion, is sudden death. Now, let me throw out another one, because I think the most exciting play in all of sports is Hail Mary are the two best words in sports. Mm. Like, to go from losing to winning and that big of a swing, the jump ball, and somebody it gets batted around and comes down with it in the end zone as everybody... The highlights that get replayed the most, I think, aren't necessarily those from Game 7. I think if you convert a Hail Mary, you go legend forever. Why do we know Doug Flutie's name, really? I mean, why did he win the Heisman Trophy? Why is he still a sports legend? It's because of one pass and one moment and one game. So to me, I got to nominate Hail Mary as two of the best words in sports. And I, I would argue that all of these are neck and neck, or some, in my mind, are even over Game 7. 
I, I, I'm with you there. Game 7 to me is like 8th, 9th, 10th, 30th when we're talking about this. What do you think? Give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What are your favorite two words or two best words in sports? This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, alongside Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michael Rothstein. And when we look at some of these other words, our, our producer Shannon Penn has put some suggestions on here and I, I don't know if I buy any of them. I apologize, Shannon, in advance. Opening day, I'm not buying. Just does that? That doesn't yeah. do it for me. It's a big party, but who's your favorite baseball team? The Mets. Did they win or lose on opening day this year? I bet you don't even remember. Uh, I do remember because I was going off. Of, I was having surgery. Uh, I think they. Nope, they lost. I think I don't know. That's a, that's See, the thing. Okay, I don't. Remember. Well, there, there you yeah. go. Okay, it's proven out. Opening day is. What about March Madness? That you, can, that you can buy. I, I, I can buy. I can buy into that because I think that that's something that really capu- encaptures the country. What, what about, about this? Ro- what, what about Rogers retired? So that we don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Those are two of, of the best words in sports. Yeah, well, for certain reporters, Rogers traded probably hits that mark as well. I, I think that you can also add. You know, the one I would add is the Masters. Oh, the, but that that's you like one the. word, but are you adding the article is important there? The, the matters? The I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm stretching here to make okay. my point work. Adam in West LA, what do you think? What's up, Adam? I think Hail Mary was close. It's just, it happens once every three years. It's got to be buzzer beater. Let's talk about buzzer beater. It happens a handful of times a year. And it's just the, the same thing. You go from about to lose to the, the high of highs. Yeah. Also, Game 7, th- thank you so much, Adam. Game 7, like the Philly-Boston uh, 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 one and the Sacramento and the Warriors, like all of those, you know, to me were just kind of bleh games. No, they were. A- absolutely. Buzzer beater, though, I buy that, and that's trying to be replaced, at least in basketball, by the Elam ending, another two-word sports phrase. Keep weighing in on the two best words in sports. You gave us a call at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plus, the Celtics are trying to pull off the greatest comeback since the 23 Patriots in Boston. We'll argue about that, I'm sure. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Two of the best words in sports might be national championship. And you've got the NCAA men's lacrosse national title game going on right now. Notre Dame up on Duke 3-1 to one late in the first quarter. We've been talking all about the best two words in sports and your worst food takes here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app here on your Memorial Day. Alongside Aaron Goldhammer, I'm Michael Rothstein, and we're going to go out to the phone lines now. And we know that callers, we, we see you there. We will get to you after we get to our next guest, and that is the great Rob Ninkovich, our ESPN NFL analyst. Rob, thanks for taking some time on this Memorial Day weekend. And, and let's I want to start here. We were just talking about it. What are your, as an athlete, what are your two favorite words in sports? Favorite two words in sports. Uh, I would, you know, Super Bowl's nice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first down. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I'm thinking all football terms. Um, Man- Manning sacked. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Man, Man down. Man down. Uh 
I, you know, like Pro Bowl, which I never made. How about that one? Uh, that's that's a good bad. one. I would have thought maybe defensive touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Contract yeah, extension that's, that's, that's is a an rare, athlete. That's a rarity. <laughs> that's a, that's a rare two term uh, right there that I was that I ever heard. Um, what do you got? What do you guys? Uh, what else is there? Uh, we said like buzzer beater. I just don't always know, Ninko, that like game seven means that it's going to be a great game. A lot of game sevens failed to live up to the hype, and I'm kind of worried about that this one tonight in Boston. Yeah, I don't think game seven is even that cool. Like, yeah, this is. This is a great series because of the comeback, but, you know, there's been plenty of game sevens that are duds, you know, right? So I, I, if, you're a, if you are a Patriot fan, which would probably make you a Celtic fan, you'd rather hear game one because that means that they won the game seven and they're moving on to the finals. We're talking to Rob Ninkovich, ESPN's NFL analyst here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. And you were you were part of a pretty big comeback. Obviously, it was a comeback within a single game, 28-3 in the Super Bowl. What was that mentality like kind of as things were going poorly in the first three quarters against the Falcons and then everything that happened after? Well, the one thing that I would say of just having one single game and not multiple is the – every single play and every single moment is that much bigger because you only have one opportunity and you're, you're losing time as the clock ticks. You're not having that opportunity. So if you miss a play, um, it's really hard to correct it. So that game was pretty special. Um, and then also too, I would say it's embarrassing. Like you, if you're getting beat, like the way the Patriots and myself was getting beat in that game, you go into halftime and you just want to make it a game. And you don't even really think about, oh, okay, this is what we need to do to win. You basically say to yourself, okay, this is what we need to do to not look like complete clowns out here. Like we shouldn't have even made it to this point. Like you're being embarrassed in front of the national you know, audience. So, I mean, it, it was more of an embarrassing feeling that we were getting beat like that. So it was more so a calm demeanor of let's just go make this a honorable attempt at making it a game. And then slowly but surely that momentum shifted. And once it shifted, the Falcons didn't have, you know, that energy to bring it back their way. Rob Ninkovich with us, ESPN NFL analyst. You know, you've played in some of the biggest games, you know, in Patriots history, championship games, Super Bowl games. Where do you think the nerves are for the Heat and the Celtics right now, and how do you try to channel that energy in a positive way, not a negative? Well, I mean, I would say that as an athlete, and these guys are elite at an elite level to where they don't – you don't necessarily feel nervous. It's it's almost like a excited energy to get get into the game and get those juices flowing of how, how that moment feels. Um, you know, I think that's the one thing I do miss is, you know, those big, you know, those big time moments and big time games where you, you look forward to playing in those and the, you just feel the energy of the people around you. So, you know, I, I can guarantee the garden, these guys are going to be excited to experience the moment and you really don't feel the nerves. You know, I, I never felt nervous. The only time I'll tell you the only time I ever felt nervous, the only time I ever was nervous was 2016 
2015, our long snapper was hurt. He got hurt. So Bill came up to me and said, hey, you're going to be our snapper next week in the game. And I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, so I'm going to snap. I'm going to snap and play defense. I don't know how many guys have done that. So I do all week long snap. I do all the punts. I do all the field goals. Everything's great. You know, it's good. Well, I get in Lambeau because we played in Lambeau. It was December. It was really cold. When you look through your legs to throw to the, the punter, in practice, all you see behind the punter is usually, you know, the field, some tree lines, you and the punter. That's all you see. So Lambeau, I remember getting under center or getting under the ball, getting ready, looking between my legs and seeing a ton of people, a stadium full of people, all watching the snap to make sure that it got through them. And I just said to myself, well, if I'm going to screw this up now, this will be a terrible way to go out out, because it would be very embarrassing to go down like this. So just kind of pushed it out of my mind, threw threw the ball between my legs, all good snaps, you know, perfect snaps. It was great, but I had a moment of nerves in that moment. Yes, that that was the only time I was nervous. Well, well, Rob, I think that made you a clutch performer, uh, at least in the long snapper category, compared to what, and in addition to everything we had seen on the field defensively from you for the Patriots for a while. We're talking to Rob Ninkovich, ESPN's NFL analyst here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. And Rob, we'll get you out of here with this because it is Memorial Day, and one of your colleagues is Dan Orlovsky with his terrible food takes that are uh, – I, I like there are so many of them. I couldn't even think of the word to describe it in one word. What's your worst food take? Worst food take. Well, uh, okay, I'll give you a Thanksgiving one. I hate okay. the cranberry st- sauce, like the really? can where okay. you you know like you take it out and you it sloshes out of the can and it looks like the same shape. Like I, I never in like I just that 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 the cranberry sauce to me was like ugh. Like who eats that? <laughs> And a lot of people love it, so I don't. I just don't get it. Now, hey, you know, now you got me thinking about turkey and Thanksgiving. We got like seven months to go. Stop, stop pushing the the year along, Ningo. <laughs> and now with you know, I would say, I mean, a grill like you really can't go wrong with grilling. Like on this beautiful day, you know, Memorial Day on the grill. You know, I, I really there's not one thing that I did. Okay, this is one thing which is call me crazy. People think that I'm nuts when I do this. I don't like too much of the char. You know, like when they char broil or grill yeah. something, it gets the black stuff. I literally will take the patty and I'll throw it underwater. <laughs> I'll, take the, I'll take the char off, which is, that's odd. That's an odd thing to do. You, you wash your grilled food before you eat it. <laughs> your cram- you were, I, I, had the- you, I had you with me on the cranberry sauce, Nico, and then you just totally lost me when you put your burger so, under I the don't faucet. wash it. Let's say, like, I take the grilled, I'll take the grilled, um, say it's burgers, and I'll run hot water and just kind of, like, throw it under there real quick just to get some of the black stuff off. I just... <laughs> <laughs> did you do this as a kid, too? I'm so, I, I mean, we can go, like, 20 minutes on this. Like, did, where yeah, did this when start? I was a kid, I couldn't, I was just like, this is gross. I just never liked it, you know? So, like, when I do my burgers, I got to make sure they're not too dark. Like, I just don't like black. Black, you know, like, the, the black char... On the burger, sometimes if I go to a restaurant, I'm like, no way, I can't eat this. It's gross. Can't do it. <laughs> well, Hinko, well, I hope you make your burgers perfect today so you don't have to mess with any hot water 
on well, your post grilled stuff. I just I, I just got a skillet, the outdoor skillet, and I used it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I actually made a burger today for lunch. No char on the burger because it's the skillet. It's, <laughs> it was it's amazing. I love it. You have you have solved. I'm so proud of you. You solved your problem and and your and the problem for anyone listening who does not like char on their burgers. Hey Rob, thanks for taking a few minutes today, man. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. See you guys. <laughs> Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. Stay with us on the phone lines. We're going to come to you next with. Your two favorite words in sports, your worst food takes, and whether I guess you like char on your burgers or not. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Tonight is Game 7, Eastern Conference Finals. Miami Heat, Boston Celtics. But before we get you there, You've got some stuff going on in sports today because it's Memorial Day, which means sports will happen during the day. You've got the national championship game in men's lacrosse going on right now. Notre Dame taking it to Duke. They're up 5-1. In Major League Baseball, you've got Cleveland and Baltimore scoreless in the bottom of the third. Texas and Detroit scoreless in the middle of the third. And over in France, the French Open, the second major of the year, is going on. Carlos Alcaraz, who's the top seed on the men's side, he gets a straight set win, as does Novak Djokovic. We've been talking about best two words in sports and your worst worst food takes here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Alongside Aaron Goldhammer, I'm Michael Rothstein. And Aaron, of the ones we've heard so far, we're going to get to the phones in just a second. Which is your favorite of the the words, not the food? The words. I, I, I really like buzzer beater. Yeah, There's no good. such thing as a bad buzzer beater. There's such thing as a bad game seven. We've seen a couple of them in these playoffs already that have been sort of unwatchable. Like, I, I, I guess a really memorable game seven can be great, and a really memorable Super Bowl can be great, but Super Bowls can also be so bad you want to turn them off in the third quarter. I think any Hail Mary or any buzzer beater is something that you immediately want to pull out your phone and show your friends, your family, the highlight of over and over and over again. Without question, although if you were at the game and filming it, I got issues with that because you just enjoy the moment for a minute. We're going to go out to the phone lines here. We're going to start with McGuire in Michigan. I'm curious where in Michigan, as I used to live there for many years. McGuire, what do you got? And happy Memorial Day to you. Hey, happy Memorial Day. I'm in Kalamazoo. Oh, okay. uh, Home of the Wings. Yeah, that's right, the K-Wings. And uh, I think you guys are giving examples, sudden death, buzzer beater, Hail Mary. They're all examples of walk-offs. I think that term has lost some popularity with the the decrease in baseball's popularity. But that's that's all they are. So walk-off, best two words in sports. You know, that's a good one because you can have walk-off, a walk-off win in football also. You can. Which is, you know, it, it reminds me of like the Al Harris interception off Matt Hasselbeck. You know what play I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly Rusty, what you're the, uh, we, we want the ball and we're going to score. Like that moment where it strikes everybody in Lambeau that the Packers are going to win on a walk. That, that place is just going totally and utterly ballistic. Walk-off is a good one. Walk-off is a good one. I, I like it because it's maybe my best three words in sports, which is walk-off walk. Which I always just I chuckle whenever I hear "walk off walk" because it makes me laugh. Want to go out to Cornell in New York? I don't know if you live in Ithaca, but if you do, that would be great. Cornell, what do you got? 
Uh, I think the best two words in sports is world champion. You can't really argue with that, can you, Cornell? Like, you really can't. Like, for an athlete, you can't argue with that. For a fan, you can't argue with that. But, but I just, I think, I don't get excited when I hear world champion. I'm like, okay, well, like, we're going to name a world champion in basketball. But, 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 by the way, why do they call it the World Series, and why do they call them <laughs> world champions? Like, you're really not the world champion if you win the NBA Finals. You're the NBA champions, but there, you yeah. didn't play anybody from around the world. I yeah I don't I I got nothing for you there I, I've always wondered that too I wish they would then create a world league and then all the champions would play each other and then you'd really see it like kind of like in in soccer you see that with Champions League you see that with the Europa League and I would like to see that grow even further but you do have that because in soccer they do have the World Cup they they kind of club world cup so you do have some semblance of that people love to see that see but i think if you win the gold medal in basketball that's the world championship not the winning the nba finals i guess i don't know i i get where you're going with that i just don't know if i see but again you're you're getting national teams there and that's more restrictive versus like the club started with boxing because we used to always call you know the heavyweight champion of the world okay that's legitimate like there's only one belt worldwide that's going on. Um, I have bad news for you, Aaron. There's now There's four. a lot more than one. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, this is part of the problem with boxing. But you, you, it's one of the many guy, problems with boxing. As a boxing guy, you know where I'm coming from. That, like, I do I know. think that, that, that this phrase being the heavyweight, the world series, it all is a boxing derivation, I think, of yes. the idea of being the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Yes. I, the, un, the title now is Undisputed Champion, and that, that's in the four belt. Aaron, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio alongside Aaron Goldhammer on Michael Rothstein. We'll go back out to the phone lines now. We're going to go to Jason in Nebraska. What's what up, are your Jason? favorite two words in sports? Oh, hey, guys. How you doing? Good, Jason. Great. How you doing How are you? today? Go ahead. I'm great. Yeah. So I watch all sports all the time, but I'm telling you, as a golf nerd, the two greatest words in sports are Masters Sunday. You can't beat the drama coming down the back nine, the approach shots on 13 and 15, having to hit that tee shot on 18. There's always suspense. There's always drama. It's just awesome. Master Sunday. You know, Jason, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. I said the Masters earlier, and Master Sunday is better than just the Masters. It is. It's funny that for one weekend, golf goes from sort of this obscure fringe sport right to the top of the list you know yeah like as we plan out our shows even if it's the sunday of the pga championship i mean it's on the radar but it's not the main topic on masters sunday golf just takes over everything um but i, I look I, I think there are boring back nines of the masters I, I think this year john rom was just dominant and i you know if it's close if tiger's involved then that's really special without question Continue joining us here with this stuff. We're talking about worst food takes, best word, two words in sports. One eight eight say ESPN. One eight eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Coming up next, will this be the greatest comeback in NBA history if Boston finishes out? Fitz and Harry. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.